This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. It's always great when Friday rolls around. It's even more awesome when it's the Friday of a long weekend coming up. Oh, yeah. This Monday, of course, July 1st, Canada Day. So you got your Canada Day long weekend coming up. I hope you have an opportunity to get together with family, friends. Enjoy your long weekend this weekend. But here's something to keep in mind. The Canada Day long weekend is considered one of the most dangerous and deadliest times of the year on our roads and highways. Check out some of these stats from ICBC. On every Canada Day, this is not just the whole weekend. This is just Canada Day itself. On average, one person is killed and 190 people are injured around British Columbia in 730 crashes, according to ICBC. Most of those in Metro Vancouver, on average, 140 people are injured in 460 crashes in the Lower Mainland on Canada Day alone. So, one thing to keep in mind, if you are going to be behind the wheel this weekend... Stay safe. Stay safe. We got the best guy to talk about that right now. Steve Wallace, owner of Wallace Driving School. Very pleased to welcome him back. Hi, Steve. Hey, how are you doing, Mike? I'm doing great, Steve. Thanks for coming on. Let's talk about some of your top tips for uh, for safe driving, Steve. And uh, what would you put at the top of your list? Well, I think that the key thing is the streets are going to be busy. The highways are going to be busy. So yeah. intersections are where the majority of people are killed and seriously injured. The top tip that I would give people, particularly if you're first at the intersection on a multi-lane road, make sure that you go through with blockers. So if you're in the right-hand lane of a two-lane road going your direction, and you, let's say, have a truck on your left-hand side, don't bolt out on the green light. Go out with the truck on your left side That way, if there's a T-bone crash, which is the most deadly for drivers, then that vehicle takes first hit. There's never been anyone killed in the area that we operate in upon secondary T-bone crash. So don't be first out at the intersection. Wait for blockers. Go through protected. Once you've gone through the intersection, then you can position your car so you have strategic spaces on either side of your car. Okay, that's a really interesting tip, Steve, and one that I'd never thought of before. And I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to have that in mind the next time I'm traveling through an intersection. Uh, I suppose why not, right? I mean, it just increases increases your chances if there is a collision. Well, a lot of times people are trained to get visibility, but in that yeah. position, you're probably not um, in the best of positions to get visibility. Don't be first out. Go out with blockers. Okay, and now Eric. the other thing is that the next most deadly crash is, of course, the head-on crash. Mm-hmm. And that happens on a lot of two-lane roads, well, one lane in each direction. But the key for uh, drivers that are in that situation is to make sure that you have a space. Other than on bridges and tunnels, you'll generally have a space to go to if you choose the proper lane. So the second most deadly crash is that head-on crash. If you're on a road, don't choose a lane on the basis of speed. Choose the lane on the basis of space. If you do that, you allow yourself for an escape. And I see a lot of people choosing the left lane on a road where there are those cement barricades that are on the left side immediately beside the driver. And that driver is boxed between the cement on the left and another driver, maybe a semi-truck or whatever, on the right. 
if there's a tire blowout or if anything goes wrong, you're probably going to you're probably going to hit something. So if you're in a lane that gives you the best escapes, then in fact you're better off. Nine out of ten times you're better off steering to avoid a crash rather than braking. Because I'll tell you right now, there's only about two percent of the people in this province that know when you triple your speed, it takes nine times as far to stop, not three. That's why the most common crash is being hit from behind. Okay, that's another interesting tip. So give yourself kind of an escape route or some some space if there is something unexpected happens. So would you would you therefore maybe suggest like let's say you're near, you're in the right lane that would that give you maybe typically kind of a way to avoid if you're going to shoulder the road for example? It just depends on the situation. If there's a left turn lane and a, a, a two yellow lines that separate traffic. Um, that is opposing traffic. So you have a lane down the middle that's used for reversible left turn setups. Then being in the left uh, lane of a two-way configuration might be the best. If you're in a situation where there's a single yellow line that separates you and the oncoming traffic, you want to probably be in the right-hand lane, and that's best for escapes. But then again, you may have... 20 or 30 bicycles in a bike lane on your right-hand side, Mm. I'd suggest getting in the left lane because you're more likely to kill a cyclist if you hit one than if you hit a driver that's protected by seatbelts and airbags and those kinds of things. Okay, speaking to Steve Wallace, owner of Wallace Driving School, as we look ahead to a busy Canada Day weekend for for driving, also can be a dangerous one uh, going by past statistics. Okay, Steve, so we talked about intersections, highways. What about what about the parking lot where there does seem to be uh, it's a place where a lot of collisions do happen, not necessarily, of course, high speed, but there's a lot of accidents that happen in parking lots, right? Well, 30% of the crashes reported ICBs are actually in areas that have parking lot situations. So yeah. if you are parking your vehicle and you're in a situation where you're um, having a lot of cars around you, make sure you go to a drive through spot. If you go to a drive-through spot, you're probably better off. Um, the key for most people in parking situations is don't use reverse gear. That's the important thing, okay? If you don't use reverse gear, you're in better shape. So don't use reverse gear, and you'll be better off as far as not having those mishaps. If you do the drive-through or you back in, then you've gone by your parking space and you know nobody's there. Uh, the people that back out of parking spaces are the ones that have real problems. And i got to tell you, Mike, that there was a kid killed in Cobble Hill, a little three-year-old. Oh, Somebody yeah. backed over the kid. I don't know all of the details, but if you want to avoid problems in parking lots, and a lot of road rage happens in parking lots, take the drive-through spot or back in. Don't be trying to twist your neck around and trying to look behind the vehicle as you leave, unless you've done a 360 walk around the vehicle before you back up. A lot of people hitting the road this weekend for the Canada Day long weekend. If you are going to be behind the wheel this weekend, make sure you stay safe. My guest, Steve Wallace, owner of Wallace Driving School. Your call is to him, 604-280-9898, star 9898 on your cell. Let's go to Jim in Vancouver. Hi. Yeah, hi, Mike. Um, so my question uh, is something I've wanted to ask for a while, and that has more to do with the uh, knowledge base that the, that the uh, 
driving instructors have to have? Do, do they have to have a knowledge of the driving rules of other countries so that, let's say, you've got somebody coming in from Europe that can't turn right on a red, or you've got somebody in Asia that, you know, the, the lead car, no matter what lane they're in, if they're ahead of you, they have the right-of-way. Um, so that, hmm. so that you know, you, you're, you're re-educating people, assuming they've already got a driver's license in the country they come from, um, does a driving instructor test them against their uh, existing roadhouse? Okay. okay, interesting question. Steve? Um, it's a really good question. There's only 52 of the driving schools that I looked at last time, out of 700, that have the additional qualification to do the graduated licensing course. So um, there are very few that actually belong to an association. We belong to the Driving Schools Association of the Americas, which are all the driving schools in the Americas, and we have a convention coming up in Oklahoma in October. So we do that as a driving school, but there's nothing in the industry that mandates or says you have to do it. Um, I can only tell you that the likelihood of the 52 that have that additional qualification doing it is fairly strong. As far as the rest, I don't speak to them. I don't speak about them. I don't speak of them. Do you do you typically, though, uh, teach people to drive or newcomers to Canada, and maybe they've they've got to relearn a few rules of the road? Generally, if they we have we have an itemized uh, list of com- of countries, and I can tell you right now, ICBC has that, and they they have a fine art to it. If I am teaching someone from Britain or Australia or whatever, it's the the other side of the road situation yeah. that happens. But they're generally superior drivers already. You simply uh-huh. make them aware of some of the driving rules that have changed here. If I've got someone from India or I've got someone from Pakistan or I've got someone from the mainland of China, they may have just bought their driver's license. They may have no idea what they're doing. In fact, we had one today that phoned in. I'm not going to say the country. It's not one of the ones that I mentioned. The person had a driver's license had a class five transferred to British Columbia. We got in the car with her. She couldn't drive. She'd never driven. How she got a class five driver's license in British Columbia, we have no idea. Um, So we declined that particular client and um, we're going to move forward. But no, there is no official manner of comparing but the driving schools, as I've mentioned, that have the additional qualification and the okay. ones that have been doing it for decades have a pretty solid reputation for taking those things into account. Okay, let's go to Brian in Surrey. Hi. Hey, I got a question regarding making a left turn. I always learned that you turn left and going into a two-way street or two-lane street, you turn left into the left lane. Or I find now it's when I do that, everybody's going into the other lane, and if I want to turn, maybe go into a gas station or something, no, all these guys are flying around me in the right lane. What What is the procedure for that? Okay. Hey, what you said is proper. The law says you turn from the first to the first lane, and then you have to put your signal on and change lanes. In order right. to stop that from happening, what we're doing is having the people signal right halfway through the turn, and then doing a fade to protect your own space. It's not exactly legal, but it does help you and stop the old rear-end collision or side impact collision, and that's a real potential. Oh. When you do the, when you obey the law and the guy on the far side tries to make the end run around, uh, that's not the, the most dangerous. The most dangerous is the guy who's making the right turn, on the red light when you have the left turn advance and going to the same lane as that guy who's trying to do an end around you. 
Yeah, yeah. That's oh, the problem. Yeah. Watch for the right turn on the red light. And most of them that make the right turn on the red light, 90% of people don't stop. Let's go to Paul and Burnaby. Hi, Paul. Hey, uh, what's the best way to merge? I think I know the answer at the very end of the lane. Best uh, way to merge. When you're merging, you do the merge at source. So if two lanes are going to merge, you go to the front of the line and you do a zipper merge at the front of the line. That's how you're supposed to do it. Most of the people in Vancouver have got that idea now. The rest of the province is slightly behind us and sort of boning up to that particular practice. But that's how it's supposed to be done at source. You don't want one long long line stretching from the BC to Alberta when you can have two shorter lines and expedite any kind of traffic jam at intersections that are along the way. The other thing is, and you might have been asking about when you are merging on the highway, Look at the space, not the cars. The space is bigger than the cars. The space is moving along at the same speed as the cars. The space is easier to judge, and you'll never hit a space and damage it. 604-280-9898 is the number. 604-280-9898, star 9898 on your cell. Hi, Nick. Oh, hey, uh, Mike. Nice to talk to you. Uh, Steve, I, I love the pointers for safety driving. I would like to make a suggestion. I would, I'm would. i 50 years old right now, great driving record, drive for a living on the road. I would like to see ICBC come out with a discount and also force everybody to take driving courses every so many years. If you take this driving course, you get maybe a 20% discount with everything else that you're getting off. Everybody has to be trained to drive safe. And I feel it doesn't matter what age, um, I believe everybody... Again, when you're when I'm driving, uh, there's so many people doing silly things on the road. It's unbelievable. Steve, I know that the minister Evie is looking at this stuff already. He's looking at significant rewards for safe drivers. He's also looking for significant penalties. And Mike knows all about this as the host oh, yeah. of the show. But there are two things that may happen that we've recommended. Number one, um, we have said that if you want to put the fear of God into poor drivers. You know, don't have them pay more money. Tell them they have to go back and do a driver's test. And if oh. they don't pass, they go back to the learner stage. That will keep people up at night. They'll lose sleep over that. <laughs> They're not going to lose sleep over having a fine of three or $400 when they get $4 million in the bank. That's not going to dissuade them. The other thing that you talk about, um, as far as the rules of the road and testing people at every certain intervals, what we've said is if you have remained crash-free and ticket-free, and you're 50 years old, you're not a problem. Go do what you're going to do. See you later. Goodbye. It's nice to have a refresher. If they would subsidize refreshers, that would be fine. But the key for us is to make sure that people are aware of who the bad drivers are. That's who you want to target. That's who you have to say, go for a refresher. Okay, we only got a minute left. Let's squeeze in one more. Hi, Nick. Uh, Carol, sorry, Carol. Okay, my question is regarding playground zones and um, school zones. When there is a high fence and the speed limit is quite fast in that area, is there an exemption to the playground zone? Uh, anytime the fence that separates the people from any major road, they probably will not put a 30 zone there. Actually, this is the first day that school zones don't apply this year. So the school zones only apply with a 30 tab underneath the sign. Playground signs and the playground restriction of 30 applies every day of the year dawn to dusk. 
school zones only on statutory school days. So none of these kids that are going to summer school have the protection of the school zone. Steve, thanks for coming on with some very important and timely safety tips. Appreciate your time today. Anytime, Mike. Okay, that is Steve Wallace, the owner of Wallace Driving School.